All right. Welcome again to Midlife Critics. Two old guys still trying to figure it all out in this crazy, crazy modern world. Today, we want to talk about entrepreneurs, what it means, what it entails, what it looks like in the future, and how it's going to dominate the next coming years. Uh, as always, I have my good friend Jay with me, a serial entrepreneur. Jumping right here, built businesses, sold them off, built them again. It's something that he likes to do, so I figure he's a great expert on it. So, Mr. Mr. Jay, how you feeling today? Oh, man, it's good, bro. Good to be here. So, are we really going to talk about this today? We're going to get into it, man. All right. Well, you're going to lead the way. I mean, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to ask, I got it. I'm going to well, try to give my insight. As we've gone towards the, the cyber age and things are more and more online-based, I feel like we've gotten more people ready to start their own businesses, do their own things. You can literally launch everything from your cell phone now. All the apps, all the websites, everything can be built from your phone. You don't even have to hire engineers to do this stuff anymore. That's true. Know? That's true. So, so I guess you got to define what is a business, though, right? So you just say start your own business. What do, what do you define a business to be? I, I feel like it really just comes down to what your investment is into the business. And when I say that, I mean... Are you doing this on Saturday mornings and that's it? Are you working your full-time job, coming home, putting up six hours into planning your business to making it grow and making it work? Or is it just a hobby and you wake up Saturday morning, you make some bracelets and you go to the flea market? Mm. Not a knock on anyone that makes bracelets, but I feel like what you pour into your business is what's going to come out and it shows in when you try to get people to book orders for you and things like that. Sometimes your your customer service skills are lacking because you're not really invested in what you're doing. Man, that's not so you can take that and then you said a lot. I mean, I think the big thing that I see that people have the first problem is is that they really don't know what they want to do. They say they do, but they really don't. Because they start off, let's use your example of bracelets. If they're out making the bracelets and someone says, Yo, but now you can do t shirts, now they're making t shirts. But, yo, now you can make, you know, and they keep going on and on. And I believe in diversity, but my thing is you got to find your passion and what you're good at and what you really want to do. And so many people are doing so much because I don't know if it's a trendy thing they're chasing or if it's a money or if it's a image or whatever. But it, I just see so many people, like you said, who have hobbies and they think they can turn them into businesses. And they wind up fizzling out. And then you talk to them maybe in another two months, they're doing something totally different. Yeah, they're the ones that are really always trying to find themselves. Like, I, I really have no need for the person that does taxes, makes cupcakes, <laughs> makes jewelry, braids hair, does eyelash. Like, master something. Yeah. Something has to be your specialty. <laughs> something has to be what you're good at. You can't be I at yes. everything. Yep. And they get mad at you because you won't support it. So that's the big problem I have. So here's the number one issue I have. They will see me and say, well, you got stuff and now you won't even let me come in your spot and sell my what, what, what. It, it goes from chicken to tennis shoes to, like you said, taxes. Like, how am I going to get the same chick who fries chicken and comes in here and sell plates to come in here in January and do people's taxes? Really? Like, and I'm not saying it's not possible, but what person do you want me to invest in or what service do you want me to buy? I Like, seriously, I can't. W2s in the front, wings in the back. Oh, come on, man. I don't know well, how no. to do it. I you, like, 
You don't want some good wings while you're waiting to get your taxes done? Honestly, no. Him and Peppa? <laughs> not from the same person. I mean, no, but I guess here, here's my problem then. I guess, you know, not that you're saying you can't do it, right? But if you have a hobby, and, and I go back and I say this a lot to people all the time. If you have a hobby, make sure that you can sustain whatever you need to sustain to make your hobby your business, right? And what I mean by that is if you make cupcakes and you're pretty good and people love them, right? They, they really do. Do you really just want to do that on the weekends or every once in a while for events? Or do you really want to go into the cupcake making business? Totally different. Night and day, right? And that means training someone, writing down recipes. Is the red velvet cupcake I eat today going to taste the same when I eat it three weeks from now? Or did you change something? Well, they didn't have the same flour I use or same sugar, so now I change it. So, so now the product is not consistent and they get mad at me because I say, hey, that didn't taste good. Well, what you mean it didn't taste good? I did it the same way I did last time you ate it. No, you didn't. This time you went to Giant and got the Giant brand flower. Last time you went somewhere else and got, you know, gold medal, whatever. So my thing is a hobby is a hobby. A business is a business. You can't mix the two most of the time. Sometimes you can, but most of the time you can't. Do you think that people should follow their passion when they start the business? Or should they follow what's the smart investment? Something safe. I'm always going to err on the side of it. Your passion will drive you to things that you never thought you would do. In point me, I own two childcare centers now. If you would have taught, if you would have came to me 10 years ago and said, you're going to have a childcare center, I would say, you're crazy. My passion was to help people. And by helping people, I found problems that people had, which was people don't have childcare, affordable childcare. And then I found that there's a service that a local business here needed. They have 5,000 employees. They stay open 24 7, 365. They needed childcare. And it just, it worked out. And I was like, I'm going to start a childcare business, right? But my passion first is for people. I, I really care about people. So if your passion is there, dude, the, the business will present itself. You will find businesses that you didn't even think existed. And you'll be like, yep, yeah, I could do that. And so for those people, you sometimes say, you're all over the place. No, I'm still about people, right? The passion is people. Childcare just happens to be it. Sports bar might be it. Cigar lounge might be it. Still people. I have a passion for people. Right? So that's that's a big difference. Some people love to cook. That's all they want to do. That, but they don't know business. So what they should do is hire someone to help them who knows business and just go in the kitchen. Yeah. Now that, that always usually is true because you can have a passion, but once it becomes the business, you can lose the passion. All the time. Because now it's like, wait, no, I got I don't I don't like running the show. I just want to make my crowd. And nine times out of ten, you don't have time to do both. You don't have time to market, advertise, post on social media, answer stuff on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. So you get someone who goes along with you who says, No, I don't know how to tent windows. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll travel with you while you tent, take before and after pictures, post, run the booking, run the online service, whatever. All you gotta do is go tent. And so what happens is the guy who's running around tenting is like, why am I paying you part of what I'm making? Because if you want to scale this business and make more money, you need to be able to answer phone calls. And you need to be able to be on time. You need a bookkeeper. You need, And they don't get it. And then you talk to them three years from now. What happened to the tent business? Oh, man, I'm out of that. I, mean, I couldn't find good people. No, you didn't want to pay good people. Because, right, if you charge somebody $150 in tent windows, 
But then you got to give someone who's just sitting in the office on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, booking or whatever, $25 of that every time or $50 of that every time. You'd be like, wait a minute, you didn't do anything. I'm the one that did all the work. How'd you get the work? Me. Right. And so, so it's a big difference, man. I, I think that people don't really think of the full spectrum of what's involved in being an entrepreneur. They just see the the end result oftentimes and they don't realize all the legwork that goes into it. They just say, oh, well, that's got to be easy because I can do that. I can do what he does. Also, I think a lot of times some people's vision for their business is short sighted and they they really don't know how big do they can make their business or they don't want it to go past a certain size. It's like, nope, I like my mom and pops. I like working on weekends. This is all I need. Mm. Is there anything wrong with that? So that's a mindset, man. You can't, like, you. those people normally haven't been exposed to much, so they don't really change their mindset. So once you get in business and you start getting around other entrepreneurs, you kind of, it's contagious. You start realizing, like, wait a minute. You know, you did this, I could do that, right? But if you stay around the same circle and keep the same clientele and keep the same type of people, yeah, that's, that's where you're going to be. But once you get out of that circle and start getting in other circles, you realize, wait a minute, I don't need to just own one barbershop and I'm in there cutting every day. I can go open up three or four more and now lease out chairs. Now I can bring in someone who just does, you know, braids. Now I can bring in, oh, I got a booth in the back just for a tattoo artist. Now I changed my whole model, but some cats just say, nope. I just want to go. I want my 15 to 25 clients a day. I'm going to be closed on Sunday and Monday. I just want to cut hair. And that's what they And they make enough money. Cash. I don't report all that. <laughs> right? So they, they just say, hey, I'm making enough money. And they drive what they want to drive. They live where they want to live. They do what they want to do. They, they call themselves entrepreneurs who are making their own schedule. But that's it. They're not going any farther. So to me, that's a challenge because I, I mean, it's sustainable, but think about the pandemic. What happened to those folks? There wasn't a lot of folks who were going out and getting haircuts like they used to because they didn't need to. They, I mean, so all that scaled back, right? I'm at home. Why I need to go somewhere? And now you're breathing on top of my head. You know, what am I going to do? I'm scared. So a lot of those type of businesses suffered big time and, and they didn't really have a way to to return to business or do business so they had nothing else. And that's where I think you got to really think about, you know, your business and long-term plan for growth. That's a, that's a great answer. <laughs> like, I felt like you, you genuinely feel a little bit passionate about this. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> so, right. Well, let me ask you this. So when I'm in business and I'm doing business, I oftentimes see people who work for me or who work around me. And I think, why aren't they in business? Right? Why didn't they start something? So on the other side of that, you tell me, and I know you've seen this, why do you think there's a reluctancy for folks to jump all in like maybe what I did? What, what stops people from going in to start their business? Knowledge? Is it fear? It's a, I, I think it's four main components. One, knowledge. Because even though you may think you know what you're doing, part of you always feels like you have no clue at all. Okay. And you're winging it. Okay. Um, and fear because a lot of us, we really are putting in all that we have. Like, there's no backup plan. This, okay. this is it. If this fails, I'm done. Right. Um, three, I think it's, it's a lack of opportunities. 
for a lot of people. Like the level that you have to start at is so low, it's very hard to climb your way up. Yeah, you know, or or they don't know how to get it to that next level. Mm-hmm. They don't do what I think is number four is a network. So I think, especially with most black people. It's a crab in a barrel mentality, and not only that, it's a fiercely independent. I want nobody to steal my idea. I want nobody to help <laughs> me and do it better than me. I can do this. We don't really ask for help like we need to, and yeah. like we should, until it gets to the point where it's too late. Mm. And I think also sometimes our pride gets so in the way where it's like someone's coming in and saying, I can help you save your business, but I want 51%. I'm not giving up that. I'm not giving up that extra one percent because it's my baby. Yeah. Sometimes that kind of connection to it could hurt you. I mean, I understand that. I'm not saying that it's wrong to feel that way, but sometimes it 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 is to a detriment when you feel that attached to things where you won't allow anybody else to come in to help make it better. Yeah. I mean, so I guess what troubles me sometimes is I will see folks who I know could be entrepreneurs, right? Because they're acting in a manner where they already are entrepreneurial, but they're doing it for someone else. Um, I know cooks that are running entire restaurants, but it's not theirs. I know bakers who are running entire bakeries and, and businesses that it's not theirs. And what they're getting out of it is a good pay and getting some perks here and there and some free food or free car wash or whatever. But I look at it like you take that person out of the business and the business is done, right? And so they don't know sometimes their worth or kind of what you said was they're fearful, right? I jump, can I make it? And, and for me, it's a life in me is like, that's the fun part of being an entrepreneur. I know that sounds crazy. I got to make sure I explain that right. The fear of failure is fun. Okay. Make that t-shirt. The fear of failure is fun, for real. Like if I, I tell my wife this all the time. If I ever get to the point where I'm in business and it's so easy that I don't, I'm not scared of anything, I'm going to quit. And I never, I've never quit anything, but I would stop because if I don't fear failing, then do I re- am I really doing anything? Like, that's, but that's, that's a pit in your stomach you walk around with every but, day. But dude, that, that's, but it's fun because that part drives you to say, I'm not, not a stressful. That's the adrenaline rush for you? That's part of it. The part of it is the failing. Like, I don't want to fail. Like someone asked me the other day when I was like, man, you do everything. Every time I talk to you, you're doing something. You got something doing. What don't you do? And I was like, I don't fail. And they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in failing. Like, th- that's what drives me is like, if I feel like something's failing, now I got to give it my full attention. I got to give it life. And now I got to figure out how to not let that happen again. And so for me, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you are not fearful of failing, you won't be successful. In, in my opinion, right? Strictly me. You talking to me tonight. Anyone who tells you that it's easy or they just can do it or like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, dude, if you're not fearful, there, it's kind of like, you know, I, <laughs> I remember when Steve Harvey and Bernie Mac said every time they get up to get ready to do comedy, they're nervous. Every time Ricky Smiley says, every time he gets on stage, he's nervous. And you'd be like, what? You've performed over a thousand times. How? You? But it's that feeling. Every time I get on the stage, I get that nervousness. I overcome it. Kevin Hart, I overcome it. But as soon as I start getting into the flow, 
That's it. And it's, it's almost like that chemical balance in your body that happens. Entrepre being an entrepreneur is the same way. The moment you put that vision out there and say, I'm going to do X, now you put it out there. Now people expect you to do it. You got to hold yourself accountable. You got to be like, I can't fail. I, I don't know. I mean, for, so for me, when people say, well, I haven't started because I'm scared. Like, that's why I start. I start because I'm scared. I, I'll go get another one because I'm scared. I'll go build another. Well, I'll build one tomorrow. If you say someone comes up to me and say, let's do this. There's not too many times I'm going to say, no. Well, OK, do what? Let's talk about it. you. You want to do it? OK, let's. And once we flush it out, I might not have the money. I might not have the resources. I might not have the means. I was like, let's do it. And then once I start doing it, those things start to formulate and evolve and, and kind of fall in place, if you will. I still got to keep doing it. But now I'm in it. So we can't let it fail. But that you got to remember to a lot of people, failure is a crippling fear. It's a, it's, it's a lot to overcome to some people. That's a lot of reason that a lot of people won't get started. Well, yeah. yeah. But that, so to me, the life cycle of anything, a child, what do they do before they walk? They fall. Yeah. Okay. So if you're not willing to fall before you walk, it, I've never seen an infant go from crawling to running, ever. But I think that we live in a society that everything is so instant and so fast. People think that your 10-year grind happened overnight. People think that you just start at the top. Yeah. They think that start, they think starting the business puts you at the middle and you get a couple of bit of followers, but it's about can you do that next year? Yeah. Can you do that for three years? Can you do it for five? And and knowing when to get out. Because also nobody wants their baby to fail. Right. I mean, but at the same time, some people just like to build businesses, build them up, sell them off, start something over. They're serial builders. They are the ones that just want to keep going <laughs> and they want to do I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it over here. I'm gonna see how many different sectors I can do this in. I know those people. I mean, I live with those. I, I am that person, right? So for me, I'll tell you, why is that joyful? Here's why. Let's say you grow up and you have ADD, ADHD. You can't pay attention long. You can't do anything. The best thing for an entrepreneur who has that is to see something, birth it, see his vision, birth it, see it grow, and turn it over to somebody else who can maintain it or take it somewhere farther, but still has residuals to draw off of it. Then I can go get something else. And when you do, when you do that, you do that multiple times. You're like, wait a minute. You you almost get a little cocky. You're like, what can I do? Right? Someone says to me the other day, like, can you do a construction company? Yep. Can you do a restaurant? Yep. Can you, like, you name something I can't do. Anything that has a specialized skill, maybe. But even then, I guarantee you, I can get the contract to do it and go find the laborers to perform the work. The business side of the house, I can do. I can, I can formulate the business to go in and do whatever that thing is to do. Because once you start doing it, it becomes contagious. So for me, you don't want to hang on to something too long unless it's your passion again. And that's what you want to do. But for me, my passion is people and people come in many forms, fashion and facets. Right. And not just this country. I want to do business in other countries. I want to do business in different regions. I don't just want to be in the northeast or south. I would love to have something in the Midwest or West. How does that happen? So you have to expose yourself in order for that to happen. Someone's got to know that's of interest to you. 
You just can't walk around and just say, oh, I do this, I do that. Nope. I, I run in a lot of different networks. And some of them, I've been running one network, I was just laughing another day for about 15 years. No benefit to me yet. To this day, I've been in this network for 15 years with these guys and these girls. It has been zero benefit to me. Tangible. Let me say tan. I've got a lot of benefit out of it. I have not utilized anything out of this particular group. Sometimes I ask myself, why am I in that group? When the time comes, I'll know. But I'm going I'm to stay with this network, even though I'm not in that business sector or doing anything that anyone in that group does. They bring value to me in other ways, but I haven't done anything tangible. And so, But when it happens, I'll be ready for it. I feel like that's the number one problem, Dre, that most folks don't get. They want to... They want to tell me what they want to do and expect me to start doing it with them immediately. And I'll go and say, what have you done to prepare for it? I thought you were going to help me. <laughs> what research have you done? What have you looked up? Who have you shadowed? What, like, I asked a whole bunch of questions. Not money. I don't ever ask someone how much money you have. Because that, of course, if, you, if you're jumping out there, you probably don't have the means yet financially. But what else have you done? And nine times out of ten, people can't, they can't give me anything that's enough for me to grab teeth to and say, I got you now. Now that you've done that, you're ready for the next level. You probably can't get there by yourself. And that, that's where you talk about where, as minority folks, what we do is we pull each other down. So once you start telling me what you want to do, I'm like, oh, I could do that. I could do that better than you. How about you come and do it under me? Let me let me run it and then you do it. Wait a minute. I just told you my vision and all of a sudden you stole it. <laughs> but listen, man, vision theft is real. But at the same time, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. I feel like I sound deep a little bit. Okay. I mean, you was a little bit fly with your copywriting pool earlier. All right. All right. All right. Vision death. I like that. Vision death. Vision death, man. Because they, they, they will take it. They will steal it. All, they, they know how to launch it quicker than you do. They know how to grow it faster than you do. And then you're sitting back and you're looking at them and you're like, man, she stole my idea. Yeah. So then you never tell anyone any of your ideas. Even though what your gift really could be is you're planting seeds for other people. Yeah. Then you just need to figure out how to monetize how to plant seeds. Make yourself a motivational speaker. Go on tours and tell people this is how you build businesses. Simple as, like, there's always a way to monetize your talent, but a lot of people don't know how to figure that out. So it's almost like writing a resume. It's really hard to tell people how great you are talking about yourself. A lot of people struggle with that. Even cocky, arrogant people struggle with that. Because it's like, I don't want to write something too much. Or I don't want to say too much. So most people really need someone to come in and capture what they really want to do and then spin it back to them. They just You really just need someone to listen to you. And that's why anytime I'm thinking about doing something, I did it to you last week. I said, Dre, poke holes in this. I got an idea. I got a plan or whatever. Tell me what you were like. All right, this, this, this. Now, if that takes off and makes millions, you don't get anything for poking holes in it, right? You, I trust you. I mean, you probably think you should. You're like, hey, I was there to listen to that. But I've done that a lot. I have gone to people and said, man, I got a plan. I got an idea. I got a thought about how to redo something. What do you think? And then I get, I, so they add those little components. I know I don't have it all, right? I don't have it all. But if I want to take my childcare business and say, hey, I'm going to turn it into a different type of business and make it more of a service-driven, monthly installment type thing. And I shared that with you, right? I need to talk to just you. I don't need to just talk to you. I need to go talk to like 20 parents. I need to get a whole group to, together, right? A working group and listening session. And I need to be willing to listen. Most folks I talk to who haven't started a business don't want to 
want to do that part. I know how to fry the chicken. Why am I listening to you? Because um, I eat fried chicken heifer. How about that? <laughs> how about that? Well, I, I know how to make macaroni and cheese. You know how to make it? I don't need to know how to make it. I know how to eat it. And I'm telling you what I'm eating is not a value at what you're valuing it at. But it could be. How about you do this, this, this? Mm, you're just trying to tell me how to. How about you answer your emails? How about you write all that type of stuff? Yeah. But they don't want that. Why? Why is that taboo? To listen to listen to your customers. Listen to listen to the people you want to be your customers. Because some people feel like this is what I do. This is, everybody in my family loves my fried chicken. Right. Everywhere I go, they talk about how good my fried chicken is. Right. Every gathering, they say, "Bring your fried chicken." Right. Now I've left out the people that love me, and some other people are like, yo, your chicken's a little salty. Why is it so greasy? This one's not done in the middle. These are all overcooked. Right. What What happens when your family's taste buds are now the taste buds of hundreds of thousands of people, it's and different. it's not the same? Or what if there's no real recipe to what you're doing, so there's no consistency to what you're doing? Right. You, you know. But why what? won't they listen? Because. We're arrogant to a fault, <laughs> especially my generation. All right. We're, we're, we're arrogant to a fault when we feel like we have it all figured out. We don't ask people to poke holes in their ideas because if you do, you're hate. Right. You know what I mean? Or you're coming from jealousy because you can't do what I can do. And it's like, no, I, I want you to succeed. I want you to win. But I know a little bit more about this part than you do. Please listen to me. Please hear me out. And the arrogance... I think we said that earlier, sometimes it's very hindering um, and it, it weighs down. Um, but we also in the era where not necessarily being a business owner, but being self-employed mm-hmm. is moving along at a very fast pace. There are people making six figures, driving for Uber, DoorDash, setting their own hours, living their own life, finishing degrees and still making great money. Yeah. Like, we're definitely in an era where you can make money from your phone, opening emails, reading coupons. It's doing stuff right. can pay you to a certain level. And then you have the internet sensations, the Twitter all-stars, the oh, Instagram celebrities who, hey, I'm, I am I look good in pictures. Send me your money. Yeah. And like the OnlyFans. Do you view that kind of self-employment as entrepreneurship, or do you view that as people just taking advantage of a 15-minute window? Ooh, that's a tough one, man. Why didn't you ask me these questions before we started so I could have been ready? <laughs> no, that's a tough one, man. So so truthfully, it could be an entrepreneurship opportunity, right? You could be an entrepreneur by being a Twitter star, Instagram star, uh, all these other platforms. However, however, um, what happens when you're no longer relevant? What happens when you say something controversial and they cancel you? We talked about that a while ago, you and I. What? So I guess in order to ha- to be an entrepreneur, and because I mean, truthfully, the definition of being an entrepreneur, right, it fits. However, is it sustainable, or is or do you even want it to be sustainable? Because if you can go in and make a quick hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, just to be famous and Say something, do something, post some pictures. You know, you're you going to play dominoes every Friday night in lingerie with all your girls, and people going to log in and watch you and, and pay money to see you do that. Dude, what? You're giving out ideas. 
I, that, that just hit me like spur of the moment. I don't want nobody to think that I'm watching that, but that would be. Yeah, you would. Like, you would. You might log in for that to see people slam bones in lingerie every Friday night at eleven o'clock, right? So here's my thing: if if a chick sits down and does that and makes a hundred thousand dollars, and she's calls herself an entrepreneur, your question is: what makes you an entrepreneur? Where do you go from there? And there's many facets she could do that, but there's also a designer out there or a product company who's saying, "Wait a minute, you have a million followers. All I want you to do is when you're playing bones." Put the bottle of Hennessy next to you. Put the tequila next. Now I'm gonna pay you for product product placement. Put the Trulies next. Whatever, whatever that, that thing is. Right? Now, now you are an entrepreneur. Up. So now you need to go get some business advice to say, how do I keep this going? How do I not get in my own way? Because I'm really just sitting here at at the house with the girls doing stuff. I got product placement. I got this. Whatever. Right now, I got music playing in the background. And whose who song am I playing? Whose song you playing? Exactly. Who, who wants to release their music? Who, who want to do the theme song? Exactly, dude. So for me, that's where you take it to a whole nother level, and that could happen because there's legitimately some people out there that even my little son, twelve years old, watches on TikTok all the time. Right? Just think about these cats who are out there now doing trick shots. Do perfect. Right? They literally are famous. By doing trick shots that you and I grew up doing, throwing trash in the, in a trash can, but not just in the trash can, do it in, in weird ways, bouncing balls off the wall, off the desk, going in like, and then they just took it up a notch, and now they got millions and millions of young people who follow them, go to their venues, buy their shirts, their hats, their product, and want to be just like them. They're multi-millionaires, four or five little guys out of Texas who are multi built a whole complex. And all they do is trick shots. That's crazy. Can you imagine waking up tomorrow and all you got to do is just do trick shots, record them. I know it's more than that, right? And you get paid millions of dollars for that. So, yes, to be an entrepreneur, Dre, you can do and be anything you want. There has to be a business side of it to make that happen. I, I just, I believe that. I look at it like this. You told me right now you had a million dollar idea. We vetted it, and I was like, that might be a million-dollar idea. How much of that million-dollar idea are you willing to give up financially to me to help you get the million if you don't think you can get it? Give me a percentage you think you'd give up. Who? <laughs> just give you like, seriously, you have a million-dollar idea right now. Let's just bonify. It's real. I'm telling you it's real. Others have told you, but you know, coming to me, I can actually take it and make it a reality for you. How much would you give up for that? 30%. Okay. So you're willing to give up $300,000 to me to just quantify what you got, and you're going to get 700000 Yeah. Okay. I don't have $700,000 right now. So got you. To, to bring my vision to a reality, you got to sacrifice something. So then I counter to you and say, dude, I really, really need 45%. I can make this happen if you give me 45%. It's got to be worth my time. You've seen Shark Tank. right? got to be worth my time. So you know who you're talking to. You know I'm legitimately going to do it. Where's your million? The podcast is still going. You, that you silence hear, is you. You hear the fear? Do you hear it? I, That's you know Because now it's like, okay. I want $450,000. You want $450,000. I, I I had a million. I had a million. I'm just asking, can you do 45? And I I can't go down lower. And there's no more calories. I'm done. 
Can you do 45? I probably still would do it. Okay. So if you could do 45%, now what you've done is you've entered into agreement partnership with me. That's our first one. What you got to realize is that now I know what the potential is as well. I'm not just trying to make 450000 and just leave you alone. I know you got the potential. Dre, I'm going to go get this going. You gave it to me, whatever. What's the next one? So now you come up with the next one. It's $5 million. I don't need 45 anymore. You gave me the first 45. Now we can go down to your 30. Well, if I know that's what the long game is. Well, I'm not going to tell you that up front. That's, that's the thing, though. I need to see the long game. Right. Because and I was a lot scared. of times in business, you can't see the long game because there might not be a long game. It might be a one-shot deal. It might be, you know, Old Town Road, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it might be crisscross will make you jump, and that's it. You know, that T-shirt was a witty one line. But we've moved on. That's it. But it could be more. So what you got to be willing to do is say, I'm willing to go in with you because you have that component. I don't. And you can get me to where I need to get. And I got to hope that you're going to do this multiple times for me. And if you do, oh, dude, we're golden. And that, to me alone, you know, one of the first businesses I ever bought from someone. When I bought it back in 02, 01, 02, you joined me, I think, in like 04, 05. When I bought it, the lady who sold it to me stayed on in the business and helped run the business. You know. Yeah. You know that there were times we were getting arguments. Now, it's mine. Even if she listens to this podcast, it's 100% true. It was my business. I paid her for it. There were times we would get on the phone and we would argue and she would tell me, damn it, you're not doing that. I would get off the phone and I would look at my wife like, wait a minute. I own this shit. This lady just got off. I'm paying her $50,000 a year to advise me, do some work for me, work for me from her house, three hours away. She would get on the phone and say, damn it, you're not doing that. And I would say, no. Dude, and I would say, no, I, I want you to do this. And I want you to order this. And I want this many. And I want it here. By, and dude, a couple days would pass. And I would call her and be like, did you do it? She would tell me, damn it, I told you, you're not doing that. Dre, you know how much it took of me to say, wait a minute, I was young too, I was in my 20s. You're telling me that I can't even spend my own money? You're telling me I can't even run my own business? I can't hire the people I want to hire? And she'd be like, nope, you're not doing that. To this day, that model worked so well for me and she taught me so much because I had to realize she had been doing it 20 plus years. I had been doing it two months. And, and at the time when she was doing it, you couldn't have told me that. I'd be like, oh no. She's still just trying to own this. She's trying to run it. I paid her for the business. Now she's still trying to be an owner. In reality, what she was trying to do, she was trying to keep her job. And she knew that if I spent that money, the business was going to go under. And she wanted to stay on with me 10 years. And her salary increased every year. And it increased and her bonuses increased and her trips increased. All because she knew that if I make him wealthy, he takes care of me. I didn't get that. If he, she didn't tell me that. She never. Matter of fact, to this day, she still never told me that. But I know that's what she was thinking because at the end of the day, I was the tie to her job. She could have went and done anything else, but why? Right? And so I think in, as being an entrepreneur, sometimes you got to know, one, when to listen to people and get out your own way of your own business. You don't know everything about your own business. I don't care what you say. You don't. <laughs> There's other people who are a lot smarter and better. And that's what you want. You want to hire those people. But the second thing is... You got to know what the plan is. Like the plan now could be one thing. It could shift. 
And if you just down this road, no, that's my plan. I'm not changing. I'm not moving. No, people always get mad at me. It's like, that's not what you said a month ago. I had to shift. Do I need to text all the staff and call them every time I need to shift? No, you got to trust me as the CEO that I'm willing to shift as things change. I need to change. And if you're just hell bent on, I ain't changing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've always been doing. Okay. It's kind of like that chicken. Yeah, your family likes it because half of them are have hypertension. They because they, <laughs> so you're putting all that salt in there and you're getting them all sick. Listen, and man. and someone comes along and says, That's too salty. I don't want to hear that. You gotta change, man. Business is about changing and evolving. And people who don't want to do that normally don't stay in business. Well, does customer service still matter? hundred percent. Even though we've lost it, it a hundred percent matters. Does it really? Like when you're getting food, do you really pick Chick-fil-A just because the customer service is better? Or is it because they're efficient? Or is it like, no, Wendy's is just five minutes further away? I'm going to go with the first one. I absolutely will pick quality and customer service over price and distance and convenience. I will go farther to be treated better. I will spend more to be treated better. That, but that's me. Everybody doesn't have that model because maybe they don't have that the means to do that, but they want that. And and they want they want that in the hood, they want that in the burbs, they want that in the mansion. Okay. Everybody wants to be treated nice. Okay, well let me ask you this. Do you hold entrepreneurs to a higher standard than you do the big franchises, the already established businesses? Mm. When you get a crappy sandwich from McDonald's, it's just a crappy sandwich from McDonald's. Mm. But when your friend's selling burgers and it tastes crappy, you, you do you hold them to the same critical analysis? Yeah, that's a tough one because I know what the struggle is. So it's almost like I want to pay for it and I will, but I want to give you my feedback. And I don't want you to give me another burger. I just want you to get it right next time. But if you're not willing to listen to me, like I know at a small establishment, I can't send the food back. That costs you. You just lost money. But I got to be willing to give them the critique and they have to receive it. I go there again and I get the same thing. Okay, now it might be a different story. I've already told you that this burger is not good. And so now I come back and I, I didn't ask for a free one. I didn't ask for a discount. I just want you to fix it so that we can keep you in business. Me, me and someone was talking about this last week. I want you to answer this. Now, you asked me a lot of questions. Do we support minority-owned businesses just because they're minority, even if it's trash? In this day and age. Out of a cultural guilt because you have to support your friends. Same reason we let our But it's crap. You know it's ain't like what they're serving you and what you're getting is not good, right? Why? One of us has a friend who raps who's not good at it. Okay. But we still let them every <laughs> song that comes through, you wanna hear my new song? Yeah, man. Go ahead and play it. And we sit through it because you don't want to kill someone else's dreams. I think especially if we're if we're friends or any acquaintance. I can't just come and step on your dream like that. Like I can't tell you your cupcake is dry because so many other people told you it was delicious. This is still tying back to the same point that's been running through the whole pod where it's like you're listening to the wrong people mm. because that family is going to be the same ones that when you start charging them for it, it don't taste as good as it used to. I'm not paying you for it. Right. Just make the chicken like you always did. So who stands up and tells them that? Dude, that's when you get mad when when the other generation, the other culture tells them. So here's my deal. We're supporting black-owned businesses as much as we can because we know the struggle 
that goes along with being a black owned business. But if it's not right, I go to the car dealer, the detail shop, and he doesn't do my car right. Am I complaining because, oh, well, look, you didn't say that to the white guy down there, whatever. Or am I complaining because I'm trying to make them better? It depends. When you, when you went there, did you ask for a discount? Nope. You sure? Positive. You ain't show up with a coupon? Nope. I want to pay full price. I want full I, price. Because I want to help you. I'm trying to help you grow your business. So I want to pay for it. Don't give me a discount because you know me. But at the same time, respect my opinion. If your product, your service, the quality of what you're delivering to me is not up to par. Because I do have a choice. I mean, I have a choice. I want to choose you. But if you're not at the same level and you're charging me more because you're just getting started, don't get mad because I go down the street. So what you just told me is people actually support their own social or demographic or racial group just out of guilt. Yeah. We, we all, well, I have a problem with that. Guilt may be the inappropriate word, but it's one of those things where it's, we are all we have. We have to lift each other up because no one's going to pull us up. So, so part of lifting up is correcting so that I can lift you fully up. So all you're doing is inflating them and then they're going to deflate. I'm actually trying to pull them up and out to say, yeah. yo, that's trash. No one's here to kill a dream. <laughs> it's not killing a dream. I don't even, it, you know what? It is a dream because I can't believe you You sold that shit to me. It's black folk out here that don't know how to receive compliments. How do you think they can receive crit, like critics? I, I got it. But man, so here's my thing. Like, who, that, are you, who are you to even offer this advice? Because I you bought you. it from my food truck, but I don't know you own three businesses. Right. You're just a guy that bought wings. Customer number 702. Exactly. Who are you to tell me my wings aren't delicious? Get out of the way because I have them live. Right. So you're the only one that has the issue. I, but I, so for me. That's how it's received. It's not no, you're I the got only you. one who no. sees the vision. No, I, I You're the you. only one I've who has the issue. Before. And, and I'm not leading with my title, how many businesses I have, and what book I wrote. I'm not leading with any of that. Matter of fact, I don't want you to know because I don't want you to treat me different either. So just like I'm not treating you different based on who you are, right? I don't want you to treat me different, but I want, I know what my objective is. My objective is to make you better. And if your wings are not good or if your 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 service is not up to par, I want to tell you why. Again, not looking for anything in return other than you fix it. So that I can come back here next week and it's better. And the following week is, and guess what? Now I can see you with two food trucks. Or now I can see you with a true car wash, not just a mobile detail shop. You can have a location. But if you're not going to receive that, you still want me to just support you just because you come from the hood, where I come from, or because you look like me, or... Your Facebook friends. That's not me. No, that's not me. I can't do it. my best friend in eighth grade. It's not me. If you give me a product, I ordered shirts from you. I paid more than what I should have. I could have gone somewhere else in... You messed up on two or three of them. You just want me to accept that? So then you... Wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you. You've done that before. You've accepted it because you're like, eh, this is the first time you fucked up. Exactly, out of guilt. I've done that. So, But why do we keep doing that? Because we're not helping that other person because then they think I could be subpar or par. I don't have to be above average. But I feel like you do have to be above average when you're already fighting upstream. We're already fighting upstream. We had this debate earlier this year when we had a, a I, you, you, you asked me to book you a CPR class. Yes. I found a cheaper <laughs> black-owned CPR class. Yes. 
you you questioned on it. You wanted to know why they were cheaper. You wanted to know it's not possible. You had me t- Google their their entire education to see if it was yes, possible. I remember all this. the way to end with no. I'm loyal to my guy. He's charging me twice the price, but that's my guy. So you you you. But my guy, my guy, minority owned brother, puts in the work, comes in professional the entire time. And whether he's got two people or 22 people, he is the exact same way every time. He's consistent. I don't have to be here. I don't have to show up. Trust him with my building. I could give him a key to the door. He would let the staff in, train them, see himself out. There's value in that. I will pay an extra 20% for that. If you were just starting starting out, would you do that? 20 years ago, would you do that? No, these, I've so learned. These, these are lessons learned. I've learned through, through, through my network and success and, and my network. And I've learned how to, to build a loyal group of support folks that can actually help me while I help them. Help me. That So that's it. And if that costs me more, I don't mind paying that because I know you're going to be there. That individual you're talking about right now. You know him just as well as I do. If I called him right now and said, hey, I have five people have to be trained by this Saturday, what will he do? He'd be here Friday morning. Exactly. But if I get the fly-by-night people that you had, I'm going to get the him and the hollering. And, uh, but even if he had to come in the after hours, he would come tonight. I'll do it tonight from 8 to 10. Why? Because he saw the consistency in my loyalty to him. He knew he was more expensive. We told him. We said, dude, you're more expensive by a lot. And he said, okay. That's my price. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I value that. Don't discount my business or my price because I'm a minority just like you. And we know each other and we're friends and we smoke cigars. Your business is your business. Mine is mine. I set my prices. My prices don't change because of my race. Come on, man. We're not even going to get into that tonight. But that's what we expect. Yeah. People say that to me. Yeah. They want me to discount something because, oh, you from Alabama and you up here in Maryland? Well, you need to give me a hookup. Why? Because I'm from Alabama? Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. We stuck together. Yeah. We go back. So you want me to go out of business because I'm from Alabama? You want me to lose money because I'm from the same area you're from? No, but I know you got it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Guess how I got it? I got it by turning suckers down like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. It, it's, it's tough when you're trying to grow something and you... You have to charge a little bit more to, to reach that plateau that you're trying to get to, to get back to break even. I got it. And they don't want to invest in you as you grow. So some people are looking, oh, you're starting a clothing line. You're buying your, your fabrics from Walmart. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, now you want to charge me $60 for a $25 sweatsuit. I don't want to give you 60 How about if I go buy the sweatsuit? How much would you charge me then? Right. Just put your logo on yeah. Yeah, How about I just model it for you? And it's yeah. like, a lot of time, people have to realize that your your business can't grow in your own circle. It can't grow in your own community. You have to appeal to other people mm. because your shelf life is a lot shorter mm. if you have a small demographic because times change, trends shift. So if you're really good at doing eyelashes now, you need to learn how to do something else on that face because if girls go back two years from now, the sexy chick life has no eyelashes. What are you going to do? What's your backup plan? Exactly. You know, so if you're going to invest as a trendsetter and and one of those, this is what's hot, I'll just make that. 
how do you get from that box to the next level? How do you turn your trend into something permanent? So, so we'll end with this, right? So we don't go on forever. But what you're saying is relevant to your CPR guy who works for me. I didn't meet him as a CPR guy. Absolutely not. Didn't even know he did CPR. I met him because he was a DJ. And he was at an event. And while he was DJing at the event, I got to meet him. I went up, asked for a song. He was like, hey, man, you know, I, my name is so-and-so, whatever. We started talking. He said, what do you do? Started telling him what I do. And I said, yeah, man, I got a, I got a couple child care centers, da 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 He said, oh, man, I'm a certified CPR instructor. I know you need CPR. He was a DJ. <laughs> so I went on the credibility of him being a loyal DJ to the friend of mine who had been booking him for years. So then I started booking him. So I had him at my daughter's sweet 16. Had him at my, my son's birthday. My daughter's graduation party. My wife's party. He's been in my house four or five times DJing. Then I used him as a CPR instructor. And since then, for the last five years, he's been the CPR instructor. Now, if he comes in here tomorrow and says, hey, you know I'm a master plumber. <laughs> so it's like, hey, here's our new plumber. I feel like if he walked in here right now and told us he did something else, Dre, even if we looked at him and said, no, I would give him a shot. So what you're saying is I... I reward loyalty, consistency, and back to your point that you were trying to make customer service. His skills are superior. Right? And, and friend or no friend, we became friends. Friend or no friend, his customer service skills are tremendous. When he comes to my house and he DJs, dude, I, have a, I had a chef one time, had a spread, had all kinds of food, right? I think you were there. Holiday Christmas party. Yeah. Tried to take him a plate. He said, no, sir. I'm good. I'm a DJ. I'm not eating. What? We got drinks. Well, sir, I'm at work. He didn't have to do that. I, but so, And that's not really why I kept him, but that showed me there where his value was. His value was in the product that he was delivering. It meant more than taking back from me what I was offering him at the time. Because he's at work. And he looked at it as a job. I'm, that kind of loyalty really is important as you build your network. Having people that you know, hey, we talked about this five years ago. But now I'm ready. I'm ready. But over the last five years, we've cultivated a friendship where you know you can trust. Me That's huge. To to know, hey, I believe in you. That's it. I don't. It ain't about the credit score. It's not about the shakiness. I don't really need to see a business plan. But nope. I've, over the five years, what I've learned about you tells me I can invest in you. I'm not investing in the business. I'm investing in the person. I got multiple people on watching right now. I'm just waiting for them to pop. I don't even want to see that business plan. I'm waiting on them to be ready as individuals so that I can invest in them. I'm watching them right now. I know their business. I know what they're trying to do. But they have evolved so much that when they're ready, I'm going to be ready. But I'm not going to push them because I think that if I push them, they'll be ready because I'm ready. I want them to come to me and say, I'm ready. And I'm like, yep, I'm ready too. I've been waiting on you. One of them, I've been waiting two or three years. <laughs> they just got to say it and I'm, I'm golden. The others, maybe not. But I've never seen their business plan. And so for that, we built a rapport. We built, and to your point, I think the biggest things that soon to be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who haven't really scaled their business to where they want to be, their biggest asset right now is getting in an environment that is where they want to be, not where they are. Wow. Say that again? That getting that environment that you want to be in, not where you are. You're going to feel out of place. You're not even going to dress like everyone else. Here's the biggest key of that environment. Be honest with people. Tell me you're new. 
Tell me you're, you're inexperienced. Tell me you don't know what you're talking about. I respect that a thousand more percent than the guy who comes in, tries to go to a men's warehouse or wherever, get the nice suit and wear the cufflinks, come and act like he all that. Once I start talking to him and get two or three questions, I already know. Now I'm done because you're fake. You put on a front. Wow. I hate folks who sit up and say, fake it till you make it. The worst advice you could give is fake it till you make it. You fake it to me, you won't make it. You just see right through it. Yeah, I don't want you fake it till you make it. Be honest and transparent and say, I'm looking to get in industry X. I heard you're the man to talk to. I know you're busy. Can I get some of your time? I'm here networking today, just trying to learn the environment. Oh, man, I'm ready. What can I? And there's always an I'm ready person. You just got to find them. You're going to get 10 or guys, 10 or 11 guys in there. No, no, no. This week I got told no. In one of the groups I was in, the dude just shunned me off. I took it personal. I'm not going to lie because I'm, I'm almost wanting to tell him, you know who I am? <laughs> but he shunned me off and he told me, hey, here's my card. I'm going to get my secretary to reach out to you and then she'll put you in touch with someone. I'm thinking, dude, I came to you, called your name and said I wanted to meet you and do business with you. He shunned me off and told me he's going to give me to someone else. Now, the question is, do you, do you carry that chip? If I never do. do business with him again? Mm-mm, I do it the reverse way. I'm going to prove to him that he needs to do business with me. So he's on my target list for next year. Wow. I, he is on my target list you for next year. List? I got a list. He's on. I, I'm, Bray, that's me. I want to prove to him that remember that day in that hall when we finished breakfast and I came up and shook your hand and you said such and such? That was me. He gave you the have my people call your oh, people. Oh, no. That's the worst thing you could do to me now. You could have did that 15 years ago. You can't do that now. And he don't even know who I am. I never even got a chance to introduce myself. I told him who I was, but I told him nothing about me. He gave me a card and said, hey, here's my card, whatever, email, and then I'll put you in touch with my girl who's going to put you in touch with so-and-so. I'm like, but I'm in touch with you. I'm trying to get a meeting with you. I don't want so-and-so. Right. I don't need to talk to somebody. I'm at an event here to. that you're at. Clearly, I came to this event for a reason. Mm-mm. So now, next year, 2022, he's on my list. Wow. <laughs> All right. So we, we just got good, man. Um, I'm, I'm going to wrap up with one question. I want you to throw some free game out here to everyone real quick. As, we, as we head into the new year, what do you consider some sound investments for people? To bec- what fields, rather, do you think are sound investments for entrepreneurs for oh, next year? Mm, that's deep. Um, so... I'm going to say this, this generation that's coming along is really putting a lot of interest into IT in many forms and fashions, right? social media, whatever. I think that you, you definitely got to be in that. The other thing they're putting a lot into really evolving is self-care. Right? This younger generation now is talking about mental health and self-care more than anything. But they're also talking about self-care in the sense of taking care of you, getting away. And you got, I mean, yoga is like taking off. There are more folks doing yoga in all demographics, all races, all sizes than ever before. It's like, at first I thought it was trendy and it kind of was. Now I think it's real. And people are doing yoga, meditations and all those things. And people who never, who you never thought would be into that. So I think that the self-care industry, all facets of it is huge. Um, but honestly, the last one, you know, I'm kind of, um, it's kind of a sweet spot for me, dude, people are having children, <laughs> people yeah. are having children, quarantine babies are and, definitely going to be a thing. And, and if you can get into this childcare slash education field and do it right and be good at it, you can do well.
I think there's so many people missing the boat on it because they there's so many misconceptions of how much it costs to operate the insurance and the liabilities and the workforce and all that. And yes, those are all real problems, but those are the fun problems because the results that you see get spun out of those are the children who come through, who you influence and you care for. And then you wind up seeing their parents' places and you get that, hey, I remember my son was with you. My daughter. Dude, that right there, that gratification you get and that feedback you get is huge. And to know that you played a part in a life of a child is huge. And then building that as a long-term um, income path for you to do other things, to me, it, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, because everybody's not going to go to college. Everyone's not going to go and get a good trade or a trade in general that they can go in and make six figures immediately. Trades are falling off. But everyone is going to need child care, a nanny. Um, so, uh, I mean, back in the day, we called a baby. Parent that has a child is gonna need mom's gonna need to decompress sometime, and she's willing to pay twenty five to thirty dollars an hour for that to go out and have wine on Wednesday with her girls. Who's gonna take care? It can't always be a babysitter. So it is licensed, and if it's and and so I think that the model is changing. I think there's a lot of things that are gonna come down the pipe in the next year or so. You can go back and listen to this and say, man, he said it. But I think the whole way that we saw the education and early childhood development in the 90s and 2000s is going to be totally different in 2022 and beyond. I just think it's going to change because I think that this this generation cares about the generation coming behind them. We did too, but this generation really cares. They really do. We always end up wrapping up speaking very highly of this next generation. So 10 years when y'all hear this recording, don't make us look stupid. <laughs> man, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. Thank you to everyone for listening. And until next time, y'all be safe. Be blessed. Peace.